Colorado Springs is a vibrant community full of amazing people. From business and entrepreneurship to arts and culture, it's truly the people of Colorado Springs that make this community so valuable. These are their stories. This is the Thrive for the Cause podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. John Stenberg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is Dr. John Stenberg, and you're listening to the Thrive for the Cause podcast, and this is going to be a little bit different episode. What I'd like to start doing is sharing with you some information that relates to your health and well-being, things that I'm constantly hearing in the office, things that folks are asking about that's out there in the health and wellness space, uh, just curating some content for you that will be helpful and applicable to your life in shorter, more bite-sized pieces. I'm definitely going to continue bringing you interesting interviews from amazing people in Colorado Springs, uh, but I'd like to also introduce some of this information so that you have somewhere to turn when it comes to understanding how to think about certain things when it comes to your health and well-being. Uh, One thing that I'm really passionate about in working with young professionals is this idea that at in your 20s and 30s, the decisions that you make regarding your health will impact what your life looked like in your 50s and 60s. So I, I often mention this exercise. If you are, let's say, working in an office setting and you're a 28-year-old young professional and you're new in your career and you're trying to make it, uh, make a way for yourself, build your book of business, establish your reputation, get your feet on the ground, earn a decent living, a really easy litmus test to kind of see what direction you're headed. Take a look around the office, look at those folks who are on the tail end of their careers, usually going to be in their late 50s, maybe early 60s, and just do a brief appraisal of their health. You might even ask them a few questions about their health, but often you'll hear folks complaining about aches and pains or doctor's appointments or prescriptions they have to take or unhealthy relationships that they're in, things like this. So you'll be able to gauge some of this data from even just your normal like interactions. And what I want you to appreciate is if you are doing the same things that they were doing at that phase of their career, meaning their 20s and 30s, you're fast-tracking yourself. You're putting yourself right on the same path to get toward that outcome. So what you're looking at is 30 years in advance what your life could potentially look like. So when it comes to your life and health, it's it's really about the things that you can control versus the things that you can't control. Uh, so I think that in your 20s and 30s, when you're new in your career, you're a young professional, you have a lot of opportunity to make minor changes that can subtly but meaningfully disrupt a negative health trajectory. So let your peers, let your colleagues, let your mentors, those around the office who have been in the industry for 20, 30 years, let them be the gauge of what path you're on. Uh, You may actually, in doing so, identify a few folks that have exceptional health and well-being, uh, folks that you aspire to be like, and those would be the kinds of individuals that you would want to talk to about how they got there. What practices have they put in place? What does their healthcare team look like? Uh, What sorts of things did they prioritize as they were progressing through their career to put themselves in the position to be healthy at this phase? The thing about being in your 20s and 30s is it's it's often the first time that you start to deal with health challenges, either directly or indirectly. And what I mean is this. I might be the first time in your life that you're starting to feel 
the effects of lost health. You might be starting to deal with a health challenge of your own. Uh, you might be witnessing family members that are going through health challenges and really kind of understanding how a decline of your health over time really negatively impacts your quality of life and your ability to contribute. Um, I, I like to think about health less about the absence of symptoms, meaning just feeling good all the time. And I like to think about it more in terms of capability, functionality, ultimately about freedom. It doesn't happen by accident. Uh, and, and frankly, setting the intention to craft a lifestyle in your 20s and 30s that will maximize your ability to live a life free of health challenges or minimal health challenges within reason, this is the time to make that and set that intention and to make those decisions. Time is on your side. It's a lot like making a financial investment. You know, the earlier you start, the more time works for you. The later you start, the more time works against you. So a lot of intro there, a lot of philosophy about why this is important, but I want to also make it practical. And these are five things that you can do in your 20s and 30s to stack the deck in your favor. You know, really, all you're trying to do is to minimize your chance of a negative health outcome and maximize your chance of having a healthy outcome. First thing, we kind of talked about this. Number one, identify the life that you'd like to live and the one that you don't want to live. So if you think about it, nobody plans on being unhealthy, right? Everyone has this mental image of retirement that is full of travel and financial stability and, you know, maybe even leisure and luxury, enjoying hobbies and activities, and how many folks actually get to retirement and enjoy that. A lot of them, by the time they reach that phase of life, are dealing with health challenges that are limiting their capability to do those things. And none of them planned on being at that point. Uh, so I, I think it's important to understand and identify the type of life that you'd like to live. You need to know what direction you're going in so that you can sort of reverse engineer and craft that journey for yourself. So number two, be realistic about your strengths and your vulnerabilities. It's important that you identify areas for both. I'm a big fan of playing to your strengths. For example, if you're the type of person that is very into physical fitness, you love to move, you love to work out, that's a strength for you then that's the kind of thing that you can lean into. You can maximize that and optimize it for long-term health. And what that might mean is in your 20s and 30s, you might start to scale back the intensity slightly so that you can do things that are more sustainable for a longer period of time. I'm a big fan of any type of training that you can do on a decades-long basis, You know, something that requires a level of intensity that you can't really keep up into your 30s and 40s and 50s. Um, short of being a competitive athlete uh, is, is really not what I'm interested in this area. That would be an example of how to lean into a strength. The next step is to identify your vulnerabilities. So what areas are you most likely to experience a health challenge? It might be a family history. You know, perhaps you have diabetes in your family and neurodegenerative disorders like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. You want to know what type of lifestyle you can live that will mitigate your chances of having that experience, again, within reason. So vulnerabilities are sometimes less obvious, uh, and this is the type of thing that you might consult with a healthcare provider on, uh, someone that knows 
how to appraise your vulnerabilities and kind of uh, help you strategize for that. But again, point two, be realistic about your strengths and your vulnerabilities. Number three, and I, I kind of alluded to this when we talked about exercise, but make choices based on sustainability. Whether it's in your work, your relationships, diet, exercise, any other health-related practice, it's really important, in my opinion, to focus on strategies that you can realistically make a part of your life for the long term. And for the long term, I'm talking years to decades. Um, there are seasons where maybe it is important that there's some intentional imbalance. Uh, and, and what comes to mind for me is something like, for example, the ketogenic diet. It's a very extreme uh, type of diet that has a particular application that can be very meaningful. Uh, but for a lot of folks, it's not the kind of thing that they can sustain for a long period of time. So that might be something that you would implement seasonally or periodically rather than making it a part of your day-to-day -day overall lifestyle. Now, when it comes to sustainability, one of the things that I personally look out for is this term biohacking. I understand where it comes from and I understand the connotation, uh, but I think what it means to a lot of people is a shortcut to an outcome. And when it comes to health and well-being and certainly human physiology, there are very few shortcuts. And what that means is rather than trying to hack your body and hack your physiology, I'm more interested in applying tried and true principles in a sustainable way, in a meaningful way, over a long enough period of time to give you the result that you're after. Now, sure, you know, the next great exercise or diet fad, which is two areas where this tends to be particularly apparent, might get you some short-term results. It might be very exciting, you know, but if you watch the folks that are, quote, biohackers, they're always jumping to the next best thing. And that is, uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of human experimentation. So if you want to stack the deck in your favor for long-term health benefits, think about the things that are tried and true and maybe avoid the things that are a little bit less, less tried and true and a little bit more gimmicky. Number four is one that I think is really important in an earlier phase of your life and one that, frankly, I need to do a better job of, which is prioritize your mental health. When you're in your 20s and 30s, you know, let's be honest, physical health just tends to come a little bit easier. And what that means is, you know, we're not necessarily dealing with the aches and pains, you know, of old age. And we're not necessarily dealing with some of those health challenges that tend to affect uh, folks that are older. Uh, so for us, we have a huge potential to make up a lot of progress in the mental health sphere. And if you do that work early in your life, if you address your, quote, stuff that we all have, and develop your team and your strategies for working on this aspect of your health now, you're going to set yourself on a path that is going to lead to long-term peace and stability. Uh, this is an area where we can devote a little bit more of our time and energy and resources because, like I said, we don't have the limitations of physical health. So, again, prioritize mental health. Understand how and when you can start to make improvements in that area of your health. And number five is one that's particularly important to me because I do this for a lot of folks, uh, which is build a team. You know, this is the time to start identifying professionals that can support you in these different areas. It's harder to make a decision about the type of healthcare provider to be on your team when you're in the middle of a crisis, right? You've got an opportunity now when you're not necessarily dealing with an overt health crisis to be choosy, to take your time, to find someone that jives with your philosophy about health and life, to find someone who's willing to support 
your values and your vision of your life and what you'd like to accomplish and someone that can go the distance with you. I mean, it's great to have a um, healthcare provider that is at the tail end of the, your, their career and has a lot of great experience to bring to the table. But realistically, if you're in your 20s and 30s, this person is not going to be able to care for you throughout your life and as your health evolves. Uh, so it's, I think, really important to work with someone who can uh, build a case over time and understanding how your health has evolved, notice patterns and trends in the way that things have changed and be there to help support and guide you through that process uh, with the history and the relationship and the rapport to go along with that. And when it comes to this, I'm not suggesting that you necessarily have to start all kinds of treatments or therapies, but I think it is important to just establish care. And what that means is create a relationship with the healthcare provider have a file in their system, have an initial consultation or a checkup uh, to get some baseline data about your health, and just set up a relationship where you can periodically check in on things and make sure that you are staying ahead of any issues before they become out of control. What's most important about this, in my opinion, is this leads to better outcomes, meaning better health on your part, a better healthcare experience. It leads to lower costs, and frankly, you have the time earlier in life to make a switch and to fine tune and find that right set of providers uh, and folks to support you on your health journey if it's not a good fit. So you might try a, let's say I'm a chiropractor, you might try a chiropractor and yeah, their approach just isn't for you. You've got the time to navigate the industry and, and try a few different options to determine exactly what's the best fit for you so that you then have a relationship to move forward with. And you might do that with your general practitioner, meaning your family doctor, your dentist, your eye doctor, your chiropractor, a physical therapist, an acupuncturist. There's, there's a lot of different ways where you can apply this logic to building a team. And this reflects back to number two, you know, identify your vulnerabilities and start there. If you've got a family history of very poor eyesight, then you probably would be better suited to establish a good relationship with an optometrist have your eye doctor and, and know exactly who that person is that's going to be caring for you throughout your life with that in mind. I think you get the point, but just briefly to uh, highlight the five things to do in your 20s and 30s to set you up for a healthy life in your 50s and 60s. Number one, first identify the life you'd like to live and the life that you don't want to live. Number two, be realistic about your strengths and your vulnerabilities. Number three, make choices based on sustainability. Number four, prioritize mental health. And number five, build a team. Now, you may have heard this quote that a healthy man wants a thousand things, but a sick man wants one thing. Uh, your, your health is your greatest source of wealth. And, and often when it comes to health, we really can only appreciate it in its absence. We often take our health for granted when it's working for us. And it's only the departure of health that helps us to know when and how we've lost it. So because health can be sort of an intangible thing, it's easy to let your 20s and 30s pass you by without really giving it much intentional thought and effort. But I promise you, if you apply these principles, if you do this early in life, if you set the intention to set yourself up on a path to have a good outcome, you will thank yourself later. Later in life, when you're still enjoying the things that you love to do, when you're able to give back to the community and spend more time on the causes that are important to you because you don't have the limitations of physical and mental health challenges, you'll be grateful that you made minor changes in your 20s and 30s. If you found value in this conversation, if it's something that resonates with you or something that you don't understand completely, if there's some of these uh, 
points that you'd like more clarification on, feel free to reach out to me on social. I'll link all my accounts below in the show notes, including Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, see me as a resource in this area, and I'd love to help you fill in the gaps on some of this information and point you in the direction of resources that will be able to meet your needs because I think it would be tremendously impactful for you to have access to these resources at this phase of your life and career. And sticking with the mission of the Thrive for the Cause podcast is to put the information and the ball in your court, so to speak, so that you can run with it and make decisions that benefit your life because ultimately that is the better service to the Colorado Springs community. Thank you so much for your time and attention on this episode of the Thrive for the Cause podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please share it with a friend and subscribe for more episodes in the future. I want to leave you with a quote by Dr. BJ Palmer. You never know how far reaching something you do say or think today can affect the lives of millions tomorrow. I want you to know that you matter to Colorado Springs, so get out there and thrive for the cause.